Hi everyone, my name's Simon, I'm a member of Lynn Baptist Church and it's my privilege to bring us our talk for today. Before we kick off, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. And we ask, dear Lord, that by your spirit today, that we would be encouraged and inspired, challenged, and that we would grow ever closer to you and become ever more the people that you've called us to be as your children. For your glory we pray. Amen. When I was growing up, I used to love going to watch West Ham United at Upton Park with my dad and my mate Paul. We used to love the buzz of the crowd as we walked to the stadium, the smell of frying burgers and onions, the shouts of programmes, programmes, get your programmes, the choruses of I'm forever blowing bubbles, the talk of team news and predicted scorelines. The atmosphere was electric. We're thrust into an equally electric atmosphere in our passage today at the end of Mark chapter 5. Following on from Jesus calming the storm at the end of chapter 4 and his healing of a demon-possessed man in the first half of chapter 5, we now find Jesus returning to the other side of the lake, only to be confronted by a large, excitable and expectant crowd. You can imagine the rumours flying around about who Jesus was the stories of his miraculous acts, accounts of his powerful teaching. People wanted to see for themselves. They wanted to get a piece of the action. Jesus was coming across the lake. Let's down tools. Let's shut up shop. Let's knock on our neighbor's doors and hurry down to the lakeside. Some may have wanted to witness another miracle or hear another parable. Some may have been there out of sheer curiosity and others seeing Jesus as a threat may have been wanting more ammunition to discredit him. But there were two people there for very specific personal reasons. Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, arrives pleading with Jesus to save his little daughter from dying. And an unnamed woman, desperate to be healed from the bleeding that she has endured for so many years. You can imagine the contrast Jairus, a man of local standing, taking a prominent place in the crowd or the crowd's parting to allow him through. The woman of seemingly no social standing, most likely seen as an outcast, one of uncleanliness and poverty, fighting and forcing her way through the crowd, stretching out to get even the smallest touch of Jesus's robe. Jesus has compassion on them both. Throughout this passage, we encounter people who, for a variety of reasons, are desperate to see Jesus. And in the case of Jairus and the woman, they come with the faith that Jesus can intervene into their situations. Do we have the same excitement, expectancy and even desperation in seeking after Jesus? Are we downing tools, running down the streets and fighting through the crowd? Are we pressing into him? During one of our Thelwell Beacon Group meetings, one of our members brought to us the encouragement to press deeper into our relationship with God. And she gave the image of a pin artboard. Some of you may have one of these yourselves. 
The board is made up of lots of metal pins, and as you press an object into them, a 3D impression is created on the other side. They were especially popular in the late 1980s and 1990s, sitting on people's desks and providing hours of fun or perhaps distraction from their work. This is a great illustration of what it means to press in, not just to scratch at the surface or to observe from a distance, but to press in, to press into Jesus. This idea of pressing in is built on the foundation of the knowledge and conviction that God created us to know his love, to love him in return, and to share this love with those around us. As John writes, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. As his children, God is concerned with our lives, our highs and lows, our strengths and weaknesses, our passions and our struggles. And in his gracious abundance, he desires relationship with us. He wills to shape our hearts to align with his, longs to set us free from all that entangles us and bring us into the place where true love, joy and freedom are found. And as we press in, we are brought closer and closer to that place. Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 3 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I want to encourage us to press into Jesus again today, to accept his invitation to come and wholeheartedly seek after him. Deepening our relationship with him needs to be at the centre of our lives. The more we press in, the more our relationship with him will grow, and the more it will envelop the whole of life's experience. As Paul prays in Ephesians 3.16, we want to be filled with all the fullness of God as Christ lives in our hearts through faith and our roots grow deeper into his love. But let's be honest, seeking after Jesus, pressing in further, can be really hard. Nowadays, it's not the crowds at West Ham I have to contend with, but the crowds at Old Trafford. Despite our best efforts, the West Ham room signs, the teddy bears and the scarves, my children have decided to pledge their allegiance to Manchester United. But taking a child to a football match is a completely different experience to going as an adult. As you move through the crowd, you find yourself holding the children's hands so tightly that they go numb for your fear of losing them. The problem with crowds is that we can very easily lose sight of people or let go of their hands. And if we're not careful, Jesus himself can become crowded out. We can lose sight of him or we can lose grip of his hand. Last week, Jonathan reminded us of the verse from Psalm 46, which encourages us to be still and know that I am God. The value of stillness and seeking are too often overlooked in our utilitarian culture, a culture that's obsessed with doing. The theologian Walter Burghardt writes that identifying happiness 
with utility and pleasure with profit permeates our lives, existing in opposition to seeking God. Busyness and feeling like we need to be doing all the time can be detrimental to our relationship with God and prevent us from pressing into him. Can I encourage you again today to invest in your prayer life and to find stillness amidst the busyness? By investing, I mean coming with the same mindset as the people in this passage, imagining that you've heard that Jesus is down by the lakeside, going with excitement and expectancy. You want to get there because you want to spend time with him, seek after him, hear from him and speak to him, encounter his power and his presence. In getting there, you might encounter the crowds, the noise, the distractions, the tiredness, the busyness. Be determined to fight through and be intent on not rushing away. Whether you're in nature, using a prayer book or study notes, in solitude or with your prayer partners, whether you're silently contemplating the promises of God, singing along to some worship music, fasting or journaling, however you connect with God, invest in it and aim to go deeper. Prayer is essential activity in itself, but it is at odds with Western culture, which can misconstrue it as inefficiency or idleness. The impact of prayer cannot be underestimated, for the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. It is vital work and it's invaluable in helping us deepen our relationship with God, leading to a closer union with him and an increased awareness of him. As we abide in Christ and Christ in us, our lives are transformed in humility and surrender and we bear fruit that brings glory and honour to God. The people in the crowd, Jairus and the woman, took time out to seek after Jesus, to press into him. We need to do the same. Sometimes difficulties can hold us back. They can cause us to doubt and cause us to give up. In verse 26, it describes the bleeding woman as having suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. She's in a place of absolute desperation, having suffered for so long and having lost so much. Does she give up? No. Does she blame and accuse Jesus? No. Do the crowds prevent her from seeking and reaching out to Jesus? No. She's full of determination, full of courage and full of faith. Just as the woman's struggles draw her to Jesus, suffering can bring us a recognition of our own need for him. It can cause us to grow in character and in faith, and it can be used for God's glory so that the work of God might be displayed. As C.S. Lewis writes, God is both further from us and nearer to us than any other being. He makes, we are made. Our life is, at every moment, supplied by him. Having made us, God knows what we need, and he knows that our happiness and our flourishing lie ultimately in him. Don't give up. Don't let the negative experiences of the past hold you back. Keep pressing into Jesus with faith. Jesus can also be crowded out by the voices of others. 
in contrast to the crowds who have sought Jesus out, to the woman who is healed and to Jairus, we encounter Jairus's messengers in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Can you imagine what would have happened if Jairus had listened to those messengers, if he turned away from seeking Jesus? Jairus would never have encountered the power of Jesus in raising his daughter back to life. We have to be so careful of the influences and voices of others, especially those who do not believe. They can so easily draw us away in preventing us from pressing into Christ. One of the biggest influences others can have is in nurturing in us a fear of missing out, or FOMO, as it's otherwise called. This phenomenon causes people to be consumed by the feeling that things are happening and they're not a part of it. Fueled by the digital world and social media, we're fed with a constant drip of what's going on around us and what we do not have. People can become gripped with the fear of missing out on conversations, on the latest gossip, on events and keeping up with the latest trends or having the latest gadgets. Do you know what my biggest fear is? It's the fear of missing out on all that Jesus has and wants for me. Of being so bombarded by the voices of others and the influences of my surrounding culture that I stop pressing into Jesus and I miss out on the fullest of lives lived with and for him. What might we be missing out on? What do we discover when we press into Jesus? In Mark 5, we find the one with all power, the one who is sovereign and is in complete control. I love the calm authority displayed by Jesus in the midst of such a frenetic environment. This should act as an enormous encouragement to us in our current climate of uncertainty and confusion. In verse 34, Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The woman finds healing, freedom and peace. The woman has been bleeding for years and seen many doctors. Some may have thought that she was beyond any hope of cure. Yet beyond the miraculous physical healing, it's the symbolism of cleansing that is incredibly important here. This woman would have been considered unclean by Jewish tradition. But Jesus has no hesitation in healing her. What is regarded as unclean, Jesus regards as worthy of saving. This is the power of the cross, the power of God's love and grace for us. When we press into Jesus, we find cleansing, forgiveness, mercy and salvation. We find peace with God as our relationship with him is restored. As John 1 Sorry, as 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we press into Jesus, we also find freedom. Freedom from guilt, from shame, from self-centeredness and slavery to sin and freedom from fear. I love this quote from John Stott. He says, it is essential to bring our fears out into the light and look at them in the light of the victory and supremacy of Jesus Christ. Where are the things of which we were previously afraid? 
they are under the feet of the triumphant Christ. It is when we see them there that their power to testify is broken. And what is the thing that can terrify most? Death. Death, which is described by one commentator as the last great enemy. Even in this, Christ is victorious. In the raising of his daughter, Jairus finds that Jesus holds power over death itself. And in the resurrection of Jesus, not only do we find life now, but the hope of an eternity with him. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Keep pressing into Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that when we come to you, we find salvation. We find mercy and forgiveness. We find grace and love. And we find one who has all authority and who is in complete control. You want us to have life in all its fullness. Lord Jesus, please help us to press deeper into our relationship with you and make sure that you are the centre and the priority of our lives. Please help us by your spirit to do that more and more for your glory. Amen.